Hey everybody, it's me again, Laura Miller. Welcome back to the English Professor Coronavirus Podcast. Today we are going to talk about episode four of Bridgerton. So stay tuned, get it queued up. I've got a snack and a drink and I, I highly recommend that. See you soon. All right, I'm all set up to press play on episode four. There we go. Shondaland, getting us right. We have uh, sexual violence uh, content warning for this episode. Um, it's uh, in the in the in the ratings warning. I don't remember exactly which. It is. All right, so uh, here we are re-entering the uh, uh, antechamber. Daphne has captured the attention of the prince. And they're at some daytime event. So pineapples were a big deal. I don't know if you've ever been to like Colonial Williamsburg where they have pineapples everywhere. That's another 18th century place. And um, they, uh, that's their kind of symbol. But in the 18th century, the pineapple was such a wild and difficult fruit to get um, that it was a massive status symbol. So the fact that the queen has four pineapples just randomly on display was a huge deal. They're like, you know, it would be like having a solid gold pineapple. Um, people would actually rent pineapples. You know how sometimes, you know, if a pineapple sits out for a while, it doesn't go bad that quickly. Um, people would rent them to show off for company and then, um, you know, then the people would uh, be all impressed that you could afford a pineapple. Kind of like rent the runway for dresses, but with uh, rent the pineapple. So at least we, we can get pineapples now. Our culture isn't always that great, but next time you have pineapple, think about what a big deal you would have been in this film. That is a stunning necklace. And, you know, this shows that he takes it, her very seriously, that he just randomly gives her a giant diamond necklace publicly in front of all these people too. And the queen has this giant tiara way on top of the giant wig, which I love. They really get far more sunlight in this show than Britain would have had. <laughs> but we'll go with it. Um, if you see any of the old BBC uh, adaptations of like Jane Austen novels, you know, it's a lot cloudier most of the time. One of the times I've been coldest in my entire life was in Manchester in June of uh, 2009, I think. She's like, well, if I marry the prince, I might move to Germany and have a castle. I mean, it's hard though. Like, this is what a lot of very upper class people faced. And I'm, you know, I think many of us would trade whatever average people's problems were for these problems. 
But having to move substantially far away from your family to have a bunch of babies with somebody else somewhere else in Europe, I mean, that's hard, especially if you're in a large family like this where people have grown up very close to one another. Um, but, you know, whoever's uh, on, the, uh, on the marriage market is, is who you have to choose from that year, kind of like going into the NFL draft. You know, if you're recruited at Tampa and you want to live in Seattle, sorry, you might live in you might uh, live in Tampa. And so the Duke, of course, is like, okay, I got to get out of town so that I don't screw things up for this girl. I don't have any friends. Oh, come on. Please don't miss this match. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame that, you know, there are people kind of reaching out to the Duke who are not trying to have babies with him um, and who are still struggling to connect with him. You know. I mean, these people seem to genuinely like him, which helps us as the audience to find him more likable than we might. Because he's, you know, he is very unpleasant. Here's Marina. And it looks like there's a doctor looking at her. But it's actually a potential very old husband. It's kind of funny, too, because we thought Burbrook was a bad and unsuitable suitor. But, uh, you know, now we have Lord Rutledge over here, who is, uh, you know, I want to stare at her teeth for a bit. Soldier's teeth taken from the battlefield. Cost a pretty penny, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, just a... I shall try her out in company. Okay, he's talking about her like she is a horse. This is problematic on many levels. We see it as problematic, especially when we think of the legacy of enslavement of black women during this time. I mean, we have this, you know, the story is, is a fantasy of, of equality, but I mean, this is not unlike the way that enslaved women would be treated on the marriage market. Um, it's interesting and complex, though, that, you know, we're asked to see that, you know, kind of cross-class and cross-fiction boundaries, you know, that, that women are trafficked, whoever they are, in this culture, regardless of class and race. Um, but that doesn't make conditions better for the enslaved women. And, you know, we, that's important to always add as an um, asterisk, at least, uh, when we're talking about these topics. Mr. Albion Finch. Ah, oh, he sounds like a good one. Ah, oh, there we go. Hey, there's Al Albion, of course, means England. And for some reason, they named this guy Albion. Daisies always trouble my nose. Miss, and so they think he's there for Miss Thompson. He's like, no, I'm here to talk to Miss Featherington. Aww, isn't that cute? 
He's all excited. She's got a boy. Aw, she's all excited. Yay! And he brought her flowers. Aw, that's sweet. You know, and really, no matter what you think of these women, you want them to get out of that house with their toxic family. And this kind of continues the theme of traffic and women. You know, why would you want to dress like you're a bird, you know, being ogled by men? Oh, here comes the cat. You can't see her, but maybe we can get her to meow. Hello, Midnight. All right, she's just showing us her butt. So maybe it's better that you can't uh, see the cat. She's imagining what Lady Whistledown's life must be like. You know, maybe I'll be like Lady Whistledown and I will be writing and not thinking about which man I'm supposed to marry. It is such a fascinating series of conflicts and I think that's why stories like these are so popular is because if it works out for you it works out really really well and if it doesn't work out for you it's absolute torture and so the stakes are very very high but the way you have to play the game is very very subtle and very very calm so it's like you know playing chess with your life on the line And we see, of course, the kind of, you know, comparative privilege that men have. Um, you know, women who go to these places need to be accompanied by a man. Uh, men who go to these places can just go. Um, she's there uh, with the prince. Aw. And it would have been unusual for women to hang out and watch boxing. Um, it would have been far more usual for men to attend a romantic, tragic play uh, than for women to go to more kind of physical and violent entertainments. Of course, when, even as I'm saying that, I'm remembering some unusual statistics about uh, archery competitions where one of the most common accidental causes of death uh, during the years before this uh, was from archery because people would watch others shooting arrows into targets and if somebody missed you got shot with an arrow um so it wasn't especially uh smart if you are writing a historical novel those of you who are creative writers um that would be kind of a fun historical murder mystery you know person who just, you know, is actually a really good archer, but accidentally shoots people who are watching the, um, the archery. Maybe I just have a morbid imagination. It's possible. She gets to see his arm, you know, and that is um, unusual 
like you know when would you have seen um you know people out of their clothes during this time especially people of your social rank i mean you might be in the country and see a man working in a field with his shirt off so it's not like you didn't know what men looked like and she of course has siblings um but certainly um if if you aren't even alone in a room with a man you're unlikely to be able to uh uh, see him flexing, as it were. Aw, she's a family girl. That's so nice. He wants he wants a bunch of cousins around his kids. Aw. They are kind of a sweet couple. You know, this is, you know, it's more romantic to want to reform the Duke. But at the same time, there's a prince. He treats you really well. He's nice. He's handsome. He gives you a giant diamond necklace. And he wants to make sure you lead the life you want. Like, I know that's not the point of the show, but my goodness. Like, that's a good catch. You know, if she's trying to be rational about it, maybe the prince is the way to go. But that's not the drama we're here for. We're here to see if this girl can catch the uncatchable guy, because that's more fun from a dramatic perspective. You know, even though like the prince is a good catch. Um, I don't know if any of you uh, who are upper division English majors uh, have read Edith Wharton's novel, The House of Mirth. But I always have a theory about that novel. Like, there's this guy who's seen as like just you know this brash and unpleasant suitor for uh, the heroine Lily Bart. And part of me is like, you know, okay, you have a rich guy who doesn't like any of the snobby people in your community, um, but you look down on him. But honestly, like, it's a good offer. And, you know, he seems really into you, Lily Bart. You know, there's something to be said for that. Gosh, what a gorgeous room they're in. One of, if you want to go to a room like this, um, I mean, obviously you can tour various country estates in, in England if you want. Um, but if you happen to find yourself being able to go to London for some reason, um, one of the most commonly visited spots in London is the British Museum, um, where they have uh, the um, immorally obtained Parthenon marbles uh, stolen from Greece and lots of other amazing antiquities, um, the Rosetta Stone, etc. Um, but there is a room called the Enlightenment Galleries, uh, which set is set up like an 18th century library slash museum. Um, and it is my favorite room in, in that whole building. Um, you can go in there and it feels like you're stepping back in time and like you're one of these gentlemen in a gentleman's club and, you know, surrounded by priceless objects and priceless artifacts and just, um, you know, able to learn about the world around you in a kind of civilized and fancy setting. Um, one thing that they also have in that room is uh, there's often a docent from the um, museum with actual artifacts that you can touch and handle and look at closely. Um, so, you know, 
That's the uh, British Museum if you're ever in London. See, now she's, she's mad that she goes to the boxing exhibition. And mommy's right, it is kind of a loathsome and barbarous form of entertainment, especially in the 18th century, where you don't even have, like, Tylenol. It is very soothing to see this family, because they all have the same, like, sort of subdued blue and, and sand-colored color palette. The cat has departed. She basically hung out on me and shed for like 10 minutes and then bailed. There we go. Prince Friedrich has asked for my permission to propose. So soon. Finally, if somebody is good enough for her, it's a prince. Could you imagine if he had said that the prince wasn't good enough and that Burbrook guy was his ability to find a guy? Oh, man. Never let people set you up with anyone. Although a friend set me up with my boyfriend, kind of. So that's, that's the one exception for me. And there she is. And I think we're supposed to see this as her feeling nervous about being up to the task. Because she goes from this small necklace to this giant, ornate necklace. Well, this is why she's a good mom. Like, are you happy with this guy? Is this the right guy for you? I mean, everyone's supposed to want to marry a prince, right? It's because the mom knows she loves the Duke and she thinks the mom thinks the Duke is, is normal and that he'll keep her at home and there's nothing wrong with a Duke versus a prince. And you'll notice, even if you don't know very much about the British royal family, because, you know, obviously you have other things to do, um, that... Um, Uh, uh, so the princes are the children of the queen. So you have um, Prince Charles, Prince Andrew, etc. Uh, William um, and, and Catherine are officially the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Um, and then it would go on down by, you know, rank after that. Um, so uh, once, you know, like if if Prince Charles is still a prince and William is still the Duke of Cambridge, then um, if their children grow up and for whatever reason everyone lives forever, which who knows, I mean, you'd think that, you know, the queen won't make it that much longer. Um, but then they would be um, little tiny earls and countesses. It, it basically goes... Um, no, wait, I'm sorry, Marquises and Marchionesses. Um, it basically just goes down one rank per order of removal from what you inherit, I think. 
at least in terms of the royal family. I think in other families, inheritance works differently. But that's why you have a prince with children who are dukes. Um, in the case of the duke here, um, he inherits uh, a dukedom, and that's, you know, that's basically the way things work for him. But yeah, so the prince, marrying the prince wouldn't mean being far removed from what the duke would offer, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, so this is what moving looked like. You would have various wooden crates and trunks and things. Um, you'd make sure you had your favorite statues around you. Um, Lady Danbury, of course, is just hanging out in a tiara. Lady Danbury's like, what is your deal? So this is where she kind of, you know, talks about race and explains the racial politics. Look at our queen, look at our king, look at everything their marriage is doing for us and allowing us to become. We were two separate societies divided by color until a king fell in love with one of us, which is hugely problematic that, you know, this sort of, you know, that this has conquered everything. But, you know, we can also see this as a fantasy of um, a fantasy of empowerment that could realistically have happened. I mean, it wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have freed enslaved people. It wouldn't have done any of that. Um, however, there were, I mean, there was African royalty. There were, you know, um, you know, all kinds of um, women of color who were royal. Um, and it would not have been surprising for a Western monarch to have married one of them. It would have been shocking in some ways. But I think for a lot of people, you know, being upper class was was the most important thing in finding a, a spouse. Um, so I think uh, what this what this show and, and the novels do um, is, and I don't know how race is handled in the novels, so, you know, pretend there's an asterisk, I guess, but um, is to take one idea and kind of work with how it might have worked in this culture. And apparently, Queen Charlotte, who was married to George III, there were representations of her at the time that were satirical that uh, did uh, question whether she was entirely uh, white. Oh, there's the acrobats again. Um, and so there was a grain of inspiration for this in the way that Queen Charlotte was written about in daily life. Of course, we don't. We don't completely know. And her husband's like, 
I doubt we're going to have two weddings this season. And of course, Mrs. Featherington's like, well, what? And she's just hoping that the Duke shows up. Well, there's Cressida, who's angry that the prince likes her. You could have chosen anyone. Why did you choose the prince? This is so ridiculous. Like, if Cressida was a nicer person, she would find some other guy. Like, you don't have to only get a prince or nothing. You know, Cressida, maybe if you were nicer, like, he wouldn't have wanted to be with Daphne. Oh, that's very nice. And so the way that the dance cards were held, um, you know, it was, it put men and women in close proximity to one another. You see that she's got her wrist up as the sort of vulnerable part of her, and he's, you know, got his hand close to hers as he's signing his name. So there's a little intimacy there. And of course, other men would see that his name was on that dance card when they asked her to dance, and they would see that it was on it a couple of times. Um, and that was a way for men to kind of indirectly communicate with one another their interest in women, especially if these men were friends and of different social classes. It was a way to avoid, I think, embarrassment um, and difficulty. That's not saying that men should lay claims to women, but that's kind of how it went. All right, we're knock knocking on the door. This is Benjamin, the second son. And this is the sort of, you know, this, this, the artist who invited him to come hang out at his salon sometime. And this would have been in the neighborhood that would be today known as Chelsea, um, which was seen as an area for artists and writers and kind of bohemian lifestyles um, in London at that time. So Benjamin is kind of exploring that. And we see different people here. We see, you know, women artists. We see, you know, a naked model, which, um, you know, and everyone's kind of painting from life. And he's all excited because of the art. And he's like, wait a minute, this is pretty cool. And he's also a second son. And he's like, hey, now, you know, maybe I can have a naked art studio one of these days. You see the um, candles in front of reflective surfaces to give uh, greater interior light so that people could paint better. Here's a cigar, cigarette, who knows? Girls handing you stuff to smoke. He's like, this is great. So here's this ball and she's singing and she's in an outfit that would have been very scandalous. Um, only actresses and singers could get away with that sort of thing. I mean, 
you know, seeing an entire leg would have only happened in like what were called breeches parts, which were um, roles where women would like pretend to be cross-dressing as like a male servant to, you know, engage in some kind of prank. Um, but what was exciting about breeches parts was that um, you could see like butts and legs and thighs and like all of a woman's lower body, which you, you see these dresses you couldn't normally. So that was very exciting. So this, you know, sort of Moulin Rouge type bottom of her outfit, I don't know if that would have been realistic for this time, but, um, you know, it's okay to be a little bit inaccurate and, and get the same point across. Especially if your audience doesn't know that, like, putting a woman in breeches would, like, you know, have guys, like, really excited it would have just looked like oh that woman's in pants oh no papa said something to her boyfriend and now he's not talking to her oh they do a good job of having these young women look just a little bit off like you see her giant rose necklace i mean that's really cool looking but it just does not go with that bright orange dress um it's, it's well clashed, I guess. She's like, what are you talking about? We're supposed to be marrying these daughters off. Meanwhile, back at the Bridgertons. She's looking at the servants' things. She's like... She wanted to count how many times Daphne and Prince Friedrich had been mentioned. Oh, Eloise. Oh, Eloise. She's like, this is her one time pulling rank. And this woman's like, what? I wiped your bottom when you were in leading strings and I do not appreciate your tone. She's like, I'm not Lady Whistledown. I'm freaking busy. Are you not meant to be the smart one? Yeah, it, there we go. You believe a servant would ever have the time to be Lady Whistledown? Are you kidding me? I work 19 hours a day, lady. Eloise is like, uh-oh, burn. Oh, boy, it hurts. Ah. <sighs> Get out. Sorry. Oh, God. Don't ever tell anyone that I did that, please. Oh, poor Marina. Oh. Oh, how naughty.
Oh, she clearly likes him. But he has a crush on Miss Thompson. She's like, uh-oh, wait a minute. I like this guy and I just sort of set him on this other girl. I won't dance with you three times. That's improper. Oh, yuck. She's like, oh, wife, this guy is just a mess. <laughs> She's... <laughs> Spin me away and perhaps I shall recover. It must be very weird to do all of this while pregnant. Like the clock really is ticking. So basically the only hopes that Marina has are one, to find someone who will marry her and not care that she's pregnant, which is, I guess, this old guy. Um, two, uh, to get the boyfriend she loves to come back and marry her, which is probably the ideal one, but seems unlikely. And number three, marry someone right away and quote unquote pretend that that baby is their baby when they have it but that means you have to pretend the baby comes along after like six months um she's like i can't handle this she just wants to run out and catch her breath and there she is she's like this necklace is weighing down I don't need a whole bunch of diamonds. This is stressful. And there's Simon. They're not supposed to be alone together like that. Oh, he, he wanted to see her. Oh. We never were friends, as you made abundantly clear. Oh. They do a good job of finding ways for them to all have these quiet little moments. They do a good job at showing how much he is interested in her because like he found her sort of wandering around in Vauxhall because of some interest in finding her. And here he sort of finds her as well. So even if he doesn't say, I think she's amazing, 
there are actions that seem to, you know, change that. And also, if he didn't really care about her, he would just sort of stick around and not care whether she was there or not marrying the uh, prince. Oh. Oh, he's running after her. I mean, it is dangerous to run off like this. Everything is sort of like protect the virginity, protect the virginity. There, he's looking at her. Oh. She's like, what? Ooh, the romance. Which we've all been waiting for, but is totally complicating everything now. You know, he's vowed never to have an heir. And that's, yeah, and so Anthony interprets it as assault. And she's like, wait, what? Yep. This is absolutely the kind of thing that would happen. You know, he assumes that he is going to sleep with her. And she's like, wait a minute, what now? You've defiled her and you refuse her hand. And she's like, what the what? And of course, this is totally horrifying for Daphne, who is just like, wait a minute. You know, I thought this was the moment where he realized he couldn't resist me and I couldn't resist him. And we're going to get together now. And then it's the opposite. And now there's a challenge to a duel. So you would rather die than marry me. You'd rather have a duel and die than do this. And she just doesn't get it because she's brand new to relationships, first of all. But he's really weird, second of all. So yeah, so Daphne's like, oh great, now I have to go inside. And she's back, no necklace. And there's uh, Cressida looking at her. Did you catch a chill in the garden? So she knows where she went and she's, you know, she knows something about it, which is a problem. Boobs.
everybody's got their ruffles on. Oh, he's being nice to him. So yeah, he's gone from Mayfair down to Chelsea, different part of town. Ooh. No rules. He's like, okay, some kind of chemistry is happening here and I'm confused. So I'm going to leave now. He's like, all right, I'm into this. So we know that there are different ways of living your life that are represented in this, in this community. And we do see some of that in the literature. Um, a lot of what we see in terms of kind of like mid-19th century, so after this, bohemian-type culture uh, comes from writers like Christina Rossetti, Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Um, they grew up in that kind of environment in Chelsea, so you can certainly find out more. Oh, this is so sad. Marina's like, oh, good, good. I can marry Colin, finally, a decent guy, and I like him. Mr. Bridgerton is perfect because he's into me. And he's good to his siblings, so he'll be a good dad. He's eager. And Penny is like, okay, I'm sad. It's the only guy for me. Penny's like, please don't. Please don't. She's like, I'll be able to stay in town and you'll get to watch your boyfriend with me all the time. I don't know. Marina's usually a bit more of a good people reader than this, but maybe she's just excited. And there she is outside waving. Eloise is like, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> it's late, Eloise. Who can be that remarkable? having a hard time. Eloise is trying to uh, connect with her. Oh, Penelope. Not everyone can be a pretty Bridgerton. Oh, poor Penelope. I mean, it's... It's hard because she's just had her heart broken and she can't tell anyone about it. 
Um, and people have been not super kind to her. I mean, she Penelope is lovely, but we don't know what, you know, what will ever happen. Which is, I guess, why we watch this show. And now here we go. There's a duel. It's like, I should have protected you from him. Because he only sees that as an assault. You have to duel him. So we're reading Clarissa here. And this is the same kind of vibe that we get. Obviously, there's no scene where Lovelace is making out with Clarissa in a garden. But... Clarissa is blamed for the brother and Lovelace's conflicts with one another. Um, and so, you and I need to talk because we have to go to the duel in the morning. And Daphne's like, nah. -uh. Because what the duel means, of course, is that somebody could die. So they bring their pistols, they meet at dawn, and if they are, you know, if they are proper gentlemen, they will shoot wide and not shoot one another. Um, but this is a really angry kind of one. Aww. Mom had a good night. Had a couple of drinks. Colin's happy. He's got a girlfriend. Colin's like, come on, man. He's like, oh, gosh, this poor guy. Like, he's trying to live his life, and this Duke keeps, like, randomly coming in for drinks in the middle of the night. Well, I'm supposed to be on a ship, but I wanted to make out with this girl, and I screwed up. <laughs> For Brandy this good, you need to tell me what's going on. That's well said. He's having a duel. And we see how duels are sometimes about the guys, and they're sometimes about the girl, and it's all complicated. Sometimes it's just about self and narcissism um and so when we remember the duel at the beginning of clarissa right uh lovelace does shoot james but not enough to hurt him badly um and then does the right gentlemanly thing by offering to come over and um you know and check in and see how he's doing uh and that's not accepted even though that should have been accepted because the whole point of being honorable is that the duel settles whatever the difficulties are he's like all right i'm just gonna keep drinking like I'm gonna see my girlfriend one last time because I could die he's like if I murder this duke can we run away together yeah no kidding well said Sienna well said 
She's like, uh-oh. If I live to see sunrise, I am free. Oh, he just wants a girlfriend. It is strange you know, strangely contemporary how there are these rules for how people behave, but the rules are often kind of wrong, but people don't necessarily know what else to do except to follow the rules. Doorway sex, like you do. Um, and, you know, so, I don't know, we're all kind of in these difficulties of our own making. All right, here's uh, Mr. Featherington doing some Featherington things. Ooh. Ah, wife. She's like, she's like, you've spent all our money, and that's why our daughters can't get married. I know about your gambling, your debts. Oh, this is awful. Especially for the women who, what would they be able to do? Yeah, like what can she do? She can't go get a job. She can't go to law school. Like this sucks. Like their daughter wanted to marry this guy and she can't now because there's no money. Oh no. Always crying. Oh, that's like the weirdest looking crying, too. He's just standing there weeping with his candle, shaking. Oh, well, he should have talked to her. This is why it's good to be with someone you can communicate with about difficult things. Love is complicated. All right, he's ready. I mean, it seems like it's already dawn. He should probably be on his way. Oh, he doesn't know if it's the last time he'll see her. she's worried too if you know the musical Hamilton obviously duels are an important part of that yeah I mean I think when we talk about civilization and masculinity um, one thing duels show us is that there are times when people consider it honorable to fight. Um, and also that rules matter and adhering to them matters. I'm not saying that's always the case and I'm not saying that the rules of this culture are right.
the Duke will remember his honor once he finds himself on the deadly end of a pistol. She's like, I don't want it. Yeah, the gentlemanly thing is to fire the pistols wide. This is my family. This is my future. Anthony's too angry to fire wide, and Simon is too stubborn to yield. Oh, there we go. Cressida, did you catch a chill in the garden? She's like, someone did see. Oh, no. She's like, I gotta go. I gotta go and bring this up. There they go. Here we go. It's duel time. Yeah, they have to bring a doctor. That must have sucked to be a doctor. Um, dude. Yeah, this is not a good... <laughs> this is not well done. Um... But yeah, can you imagine being a doctor and having people just like show up at like 2 a.m. and it's because some rich guys want to pretend to shoot each other? Like, wouldn't that you rather like be awakened from a real emergency? Like there's a baby and it's breach or something. He's like, what? Yeah, okay, fine. My girlfriend. Here's some, here's a pocket watch. Yeah, I mean, his affairs are always in order. He's like, well, if I die, then the line will end with me. That's pretty groovy. There she comes on the horse with her brother. Gotta get there in time. It would have taken a while to get to whatever field they're in. Yeah, I mean, this... We can see both sides, you know, but certainly the brother is doing what he's supposed to do. Like, he wouldn't have known that that was his sister consenting to that. I mean, the way women's sexuality would have been seen was that Sienna is allowed to have sexuality like that, but your sister is not. All right, here we are. We're walking, we're walking, we're walking. We turn around. We aim. He's about to shoot in the air. He's not about to shoot in the air. And then he's shaking. And then the gun goes off. And he shoots. And his sister falls off. 
And you kind of get what you deserve when you do that. I'm perfectly well. No thanks to you. Yeah. There we go. Daphne's like, okay, buddy. This is my life now. My mind's not changed. It must, if not for your sake, then mine. Here we go. We were seen. Cressida Cowper witnessed us in the garden. She knows. If you do not marry me, I shall be ruined. It's not just you dudes. He's like, no. Did you not hear me? Someone knows what we have done. She's like, I really am ruined and you did this to me. Yeah, do you think I'm that awful? He's like, no, but I really, really think you're awesome, so I can't marry you. And she's like, well, we're, the horse has left the barn. Oh. You must know if we were to wed, I can never give you children. She's like, oh, oh. And so she thinks, oh, he can't have kids. Not that he won't have kids, but that he can't have kids. And he's like, and she's like, oh, I see. Okay. She's like, well, this isn't so bad. I'd rather marry a guy and not have kids than like be shamed forever and never be with anyone. Also, he's hot and I dig him. She's like, wait, no. Here we go, here's this right here. Get ready. There will be no need to resume. This is great. The Duke and I are to be married. She's like, okay, I'm good with that. And it's a really clever ending because um, he can't really say no uh, at this point. Um, and he has told her, you know, basically what the, what the rules are. And she's like, okay, I, we'll just do that. Maybe you have a war injury. I don't know. Um, and she's like, okay, let's do this. And what's he going to say? Uh, no, she's lying. I didn't propose to her. Well, no, that's dishonorable. It's totally wrong, but everything's wrong. And women don't have very much power. So Daphne's trying to survive. And we'll see how it goes. Um, it is morally very sketchy, but it's a difficult time. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Bridgerton, and we'll have another one very soon. Bye.